Welcome to the Calvary Couples Podcast. This is Pastor Josh, and we are uh, walking into, at least uh, as I'm recording this podcast, we're walking into the Christmas season. And I thought I would uh, take uh, two lessons here to kind of walk through what does the Bible have to say about two different areas of life that are sometimes accentuated uh, due to the holiday season. And the first one that we're going to look at in this podcast episode is the nature of grief and how to navigate that. Um, Everybody is going to be uh, confronted with loss at some point and what I'm going to focus on in this lesson is specifically grief that is connected to the loss of a loved one which many times can be accentuated around the holidays because it just confronts us with the fact that that person that we love and we care about and have made wonderful memories with is no longer here to enjoy that with us so we're going to walk through some scriptures that I hope will be helpful we'll be in the book of Acts as well as uh, we'll uh, go over to James and then we'll finish our, our study in Psalms chapter 46 So uh, let's go ahead and we'll try to examine this together. Uh, The truth is that there are a lot of ideas um, out there about how to handle grief. And many of them are very good, some not so good, but many are very good. Um, And the the truth is that when a tragic event transpires, people often say things like, um, we need to go through the grieving process, or I hope that somebody can find closure. Um, But as Christians, we should be equipped to process grief and help others who experience loss. That's part of the ministry that God's given us. We can use examples of dealing with loss that's found in the scriptures. So the first thing we're going to examine is an example of loss in uh, the New Testament. It's going to be in Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. And uh, I think it confronts us with the reality that the death of a loved one is one of the most difficult losses that we can experience. So in Acts 12, we find a wonderful turn of events. Uh, First, it begins with the killing of the Apostle James being a a tragedy, really, and it was followed again by the imprisonment of Peter. So Peter appeared to be doomed as he awaits in prison in Acts 12, verse 3 and 4, but um, if you know the the narrative of the story of how it goes, that God miraculously intervenes and and Peter was uh, ultimately saved, and you read about that in Acts 12, verse 7. And it is a, an, an encouraging story. In fact, there's even some humor that's kind of woven into this story. You know, Peter arrives at the home where the people are praying for his safety. So they basically had the answer to their prayer. And then um, Rhoda, who answers the door, uh, runs and leaves Peter at the door to tell the, the disciples that Peter's been saved in uh, verses 14 and 15. So the, the, the reality is that even when they were praying for something, they were so, so sure of Peter's, um, you know, circumstances that he was going to die that they assumed Rhoda was just seeing things. So as we examine this story, we often lose sight of uh, of the of the loss of a of really what would have been a core part of the the group that they were. You know, this this new church has gone through a great deal together. They've gone through, um, I mean, James has been called by Christ as an apostle. He's gone through his entire earthly ministry. He's seen the resurrection. He's he's endured the crucifixion. All those different things. So you can imagine that this is a tight knit group of people, and suddenly James is taken away by King Herod, and ultimately he's murdered. And sometimes that gets lost in this story. And I think that this passage shows us that even the godliest of people experience loss. No one is immune to loss or grief. Everyone of us is going to experience it. So this brief picture characterizes so many losses that people experience. All losses are bad, but research indicates that the worst losses in life are the death of a child, the loss of a loved one as a result of suicide, and the loss as a result of a homicide. And in this passage, we do read about a violent death. That's what happens to James. And he's a beloved man in, one, in what might, one might argue to be a homicide. Perhaps worst of all, many celebrated his death. You read about that in Acts 12.3. That's why Herod took Peter, because the people celebrated the fact that James was killed, that he was murdered. 
So imagine how difficult that this would have been for the family and friends of James. This kind of loss is like the sudden and public tragedies that some experience, such as a homicide that is repeatedly covered in the media, I think would be a good parallel to what's happening here in Acts chapter 12. Um, in that case, where there is a trial, the victim is often disparaged, which is difficult to say the least, and the loss of James in the aftermath would have been especially difficult. Some losses are more difficult to deal with than others, and these losses can place us at risk for what we're going to call complicated grief. And I'll talk a little bit more about uh, what, what entails complicated grief, because that kind of grief impacts us not only physically, but psychologically and spirit spiritually. Think about the losses that Job suffered through. They impacted him not just in a spiritual way, but they affected his physical body. You know, Job's, um, Job describes the pain that he felt. He describes it as being felt through his whole being, his whole person, in Job 30, verse 17. He also experienced psychological pain as he described longing for the way his life had been in the past as he enjoyed his children. And you can read about that in Job 29, verses 2 through 6. And how he missed the respect that he enjoyed in the community in chapter 29, verse 21 through 25. And then the problems that Job experienced with his miserable comforters in verse uh, chapter 16, verse 2. And we, we, those sometimes have been reiterated about Job's comforters were pretty poor at what they were doing, his friends and his wife as well. But he specifically described the way he felt his friends were estranged from him and afar off. And that's often what happens um, in, when someone has experienced grief. They feel great distance between them and everyone else. And the truth is, in other words, the, Job's friends did not know what to say to him or how to help him. And as we know, even his wife was estranged from him in chapter 19, verse 17. And he felt that he had become someone that people just talked about. That's what happens with grief, is we feel like we've, we're disassociated from people, and rather than being talked to, we start to feel like we're only being talked about. So he, he had determined that people had either ignored him or said things that hurt him. And perhaps most concerning of all was the spiritual Im impact. At times, Job felt as if God did not hear his prayers. He also felt that God had treated him unfairly. If loss had such a significant impact on a godly man like Job, we can all expect these same difficulties. So when grief comes into our lives, we can expect things to happen. It is going to affect us spiritually. It is going to affect us physically. It's going to affect us psychologically. But the reality is, is that when we minister to any parts of that person, we minister to the whole person. So when we take care of physical needs, it can help us spiritually and psychologically. When we take care of psychological needs, it can help us spiritually and physically. When we take care of our spiritual needs, that can also help us psychologically and physically as well. So some would ask, how long does it take to recover from the loss of a loved one? Well, here's some research. It indicates that the stress of a death is as high on the one-year anniversary of a death as it was on the day of the death. And we can see an example of this in Scripture. Think about Joseph. Consider Joseph and the trauma and loss that Joseph experienced when he was separated from his family. And Joseph was mistreated by his brothers and separated from them, and we re read about that in Genesis 37. But years later, Joseph appeared to be mourning this event as he watched his brother Simeon be bound in Genesis 42 through 24. And Joseph cried when he saw his brother Benjamin in chapter 43, and he cried when he revealed his identity to his brothers in Genesis 45. So decades have passed, and Joseph's brothers brought up the event he cried again in Genesis 50. So whether we're dealing with a loss or helping others deal with a loss, it's important to allow ourselves or others to simply cry. Tears do help us heal, and that was certainly the case with Joseph. You see, he was psychologically and a spiritually sophisticated man. He was the second in command of all of Egypt. 
but even he still readily cried when he experienced various uh, cues or memories that were brought up. And that, in this particular case, it was seeing his brothers and the reminders of what he had lost. So, how do we? What, what's the takeaway for this um, for this first part? Is this allow yourself to grieve and then learn healthy ways to process a loved one's death? So we ask ourselves, why is it important to allow ourselves to grieve the loss of a loved one? Well, I think scripture will indicate, as well as research will indicate, that we heal better when we go through the process of grief, and not dealing with our feelings leads to other problems. And feelings are just those, they're feelings. They come sometimes from nowhere, some things instigate them, but they're feelings. They don't have any kind of moral attributes of whether we should or shouldn't feel that way. We just do. And we got to work through the process of, of why and how we do feel the things that we feel. And in this case, it's grief. The second question is, how can we best help someone who has lost a loved one? Well, I think first and foremost, we need to be present and mourn with them. The scriptures tell, talks about the church. It says that we rejoice with those who rejoice, but we also weep with those who weep. And sometimes just being present and mourning with them can be a great ministry. Don't talk too much. Sometimes it's better to be the listener than it is to be the speaker. You don't have to have all the answers. You just have to be present and allow someone to work through what's going on inside of them. Help in practical ways. Sometimes we can take care of the physical needs like meals, help around the house, take care of different chores, things that will just take some of the burden away from the individual who's grieving. And then we can just be a sounding board. Sometimes a stabilizing influence to listen to ideas when everything in the person's mind can just be swirling around. And it's hard to kind of navigate our feelings and our ideas and what we should and shouldn't do. So being a person who's a sounding board and just providing wisdom and guidance can also be very beneficial. So we're going to continue on and we're going to talk about how healthy grief is a process. So we'll continue here in just a moment. Welcome back. We are going to continue on. We just navigated through Acts chapter 12 and a, a story, a biblical narrative that uh, shows us how the early church responded to the loss of the apostle James. Now in the second section, we're going to move on to uh, the half-brother of Jesus, who's James. And we'll be in James chapter 5, verse 7 through 11. Excuse me, and just see some of the wisdom that he can provide for us when we find ourselves uh, grieving or we find ourselves experiencing uh, the loss of a loved one. So well, as we go through this, it's important to realize that no matter how spiritual a person may be, he or she cannot hurry through the necessary phases of dealing with loss. It takes time. It's a process. So therefore, James reminds us that the first step is to be patient. He uses that term repeatedly in these verses that we'll look at. Just as a farmer cannot make their crops grow faster, James indicates that we too must be patient. You read about that in James 5 and verse 7. There is nothing that we can do to make the pain go away quickly. We cannot speed up the process of grief. We must be established and unwavering in our faith, as we read in James 5 and verse 8. So no matter what, we are to focus upon the Lord and realize that he is close to us. We need to be careful not to grumble about each other and not to turn against each other. And sometimes grief will cause that to happen. Many times during the loss of a loved one, a families are ripped apart uh, because they just these, these losses uh, reveal fracture lines that were already there and make them much worse. So for example, in the wake of a death of a child or the death as a result of a suicide, family members can often turn against one another. And then in, that, in, in those instances, the divorce rate is extremely high among those parents. The reality is that we need each other and we really need each other more than ever. So in these times, we need to determine to lean on each other rather than push one another away. James also tells us that in these moments, we must remain steadfast. And James pointed us to the prophets and to Job to consider as we deal with suffering. 
You read about that in verses 10 through 11. And he reminded us that those who endure experience the Lord's mercy in James 5 and verse 11. So what we, what we need in these moments is patience. It's going to take time. We also need to be careful. Um, I'm sorry, we need to uh, be unwavering in our faith. Realize that, the, that God has not forsaken us, even though everything else in the world might seem like it's changing. Secondly, be careful not to uh, turn against each other, but to turn towards each other. And then the fourth thing here is to remain steadfast. And when we do those things, what we experience is the Lord's mercy. And no matter what, we cannot quit. We see this attitude from Job as he held on to his integrity. And he also held on to his dignity in Job 2 and verse 3, and then in chapter 27. So no matter how difficult the loss, we cannot forget that the Lord is there for us. And nothing can separate us from him. Sometimes those who have suffered difficult losses do not know what to do or even how to pray, but they can know that the Lord will never leave them nor forsake them. And in fact, in these moments, the scripture reminds us that the Holy Spirit of God prays for us on our behalf when we can't even groan, as it says, um, what we need in those moments. What you might uh, find as a helpful resource is a book called First Aid for Your Emotional Hurts. It's written by a man named Edward Moody. Um, and you can find that it's uh, first aid for your emotional hurts, specifically grief, if you uh, would like to dig into some more information there. As we continue to dig deeper here, I had mentioned earlier about complicated grief. And the most complicated grieving situations are those that involve guilt. So we're now we're connecting guilt to grief and how that compounds the intense feeling that we have um, when it comes to the grieving process. A lot of times you'll hear people say things like, or I would have, or I should have in regard to how they could have prevented the loss. If, for instance, I had pushed him or her to go to the doctor, or if I had talked to them more about how they were driving. Some also have guilt because they are haunted by arguments with loved ones, especially when some of the last words they had with them were contentious. Other people feel legitimate guilt, as in a person who had some culpability in an accident. Maybe they do have some responsibility. Be aware of this, that many who have served in the military, combat, or law enforcement often feel a sense of guilt when tragedy strikes. Perhaps um, in the military community, uh, uh, someone that they served with uh, took, but it took someone's place on an assignment or was injured or killed. There is a guilt over the accidental deaths of civilians and even the killing of the enemy. Even when we point out to people that they were not actually culpable or responsible in a death or that an individual probably did not harbor any ill will towards them, the guilt does still remain. So what do we do in those situations? Well, in those situations as Christians, only God can help them with their guilt. When someone insists that he or she is guilty, we can take them to Psalm chapter 51, and we can help them adopt this prayer as their own, and encourage those you try to help to use Psalm 51 as a prayer guide, and that they will continue to pray it as their own uh, daily, and commit um, the situation to the Lord. So what should we do? Well, I think we need to take steps that will help us process loss. What kinds of losses other than death, death cause grief? We're narrowing into the loss of a loved one when it comes to grief, but there's other situations like divorce, loss of a job, etc. Those things can all cause grief as well. What can we do to help us process grief and loss? Well, as Christians, we first go to the Lord, and we do that by prayer and the reading of the Word of God. We have to sometimes set physical goals for ourselves. Sometimes putting one foot in front of the other requires discipline, especially when, in many cases, we don't feel we just don't feel good. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Grief, it causes emotional, physical, and spiritual pain. We have to determine that we need to get the sleep that we need. We're going to do our best to eat properly. Exercise can cause different chemicals in the brain to help us move along. Um, you just have realistic expectations. Be patient. 
James says it time and time again, be patient. Prepare for ups and downs. You might take two steps forward, one step backward. The next day feels like two steps backwards. But we prepare for the ups and downs. And then if we're helping others, we need to help people understand how to help. Equip people. Talk to family and friends and try to find encouragement in those places. And the final thing is, what do people sometimes do that hinders healing from loss? Well, I think what often happens is that we withdraw from relationships. We start to feel isolated, that no one cares. As I would mentioned earlier, that rather than people talking to us, they talk about us. That can be a dangerous thing. Um, the second thing would be to withdraw from worship and fellowship at church. We need our um, church community more than ever in times where we experience intense grief. And I do believe there's a place for a stepping away for a period of time to grieve and to be alone. That's certainly understandable. But that um, isn't necessarily health, healthy over the long term. That God has given us the church as a gift to come alongside us and to encourage us in our time of need. Then other just physical things like people stop eating properly. They turn to uh, stimulants like alcohol or drug abuse and those kind of things. So we need to maintain our relationship with the Lord and be willing to allow other people to help us and assist us as we're trying to process our own grief and then be available for other people to um, help them through their grief as well. So we're going to get to the last section here. We're going to try to cover uh, what does Psalm 46 provide for us as far as where do we find comfort and how can we find direction. And I think Psalm 46 provides us a helpful prescription. So we'll come back to that just in a moment. Welcome back to the final section of our lesson uh, in this podcast episode. We're going to be in Psalm chapter 46 verses 1 through 11. What we're going to focus on here is that we can find comfort and direction in God's word. Sometimes in the most difficult losses of life, it's critical to pause and meditate upon what we have in Christ. I think that's important because what grief does is it makes us feel helpless when we lose a loved one. There's really nothing we can do to repair it in this life. That person is gone and there's nothing we can do. We just feel helpless. And so much of our life has changed and now we're trying to navigate and figure out what are we going to do next. So that's why I, I, I believe it is so important for us to meditate on what we have in Jesus Christ that is unchangeable. What are the things that, that, that cannot be taken from us, that we cannot be separated from, and are not going to change? So when we don't know what to do to help ourselves or someone else, and we've uh, talked about um, pretty difficult circumstances such as suicide, homicide, or a sudden death, we can focus on Psalm chapter 46. The scripture tells us that no matter what happens, God is our refuge. He is right there when we find ourselves in trouble. But what kind of trouble does he help us with? Even if the mountains shake and fall into the sea, God will help us. For instance, the death of a child, a parent, or a spouse often leads one to feel like his or her world has been turned upside down. And that is when God is closest to us. At the darkest moments, just before dawn, God helps us. You read that in Psalm 46, verses 4 and 5. And we are given specific instructions in the Psalm to be still. It's really interesting to connect Psalm 46 to the story of Exodus as the children of Israel were at the Red Sea. Because what that's really what, what caused the song to be written was for the children of Israel to be there at the Red Sea. And what did God command Moses to do? He told him to be still and know that I am God. And you see that repeated in this song here in Psalm 46. So how do we be still? Well, we do this to get grounded but also to keep from making bad decisions. Many bad decisions are made after we experience tragic events. And often quick decisions happen. You're, you're confronted with so many quick decisions, such as settling with insurance companies, or you, know, you have to deal with funeral homes and arrangements and managing family accommodations. And sometimes we can make decisions just simply too quickly. 
So this psalm ends with a reminder that God is our refuge in verse 11. And it is comforting to know that the same God who helped Jacob centuries ago helps us today. Psalm 46 is comforting to us while also providing practical instruction. And we can be assured that God is there to help us as we deal with loss. The Apostle Paul said that said the Christian is not to be uninformed about what happens to believers who pass away. He described what the Christian experience at death is sleep in 1 Thessalonians 4.13 and indicates the importance of focusing upon the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ as a coping mechanism. And we can take encouragement from the fact that we will see believing loved ones again with Christ in heaven, and we read about that in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 17 through 18. So what's the takeaway here? Well, we need to go to God's word for comfort when dealing with loss. And I think that we have to, it's wise for us when we're experiencing grief to write down passages of scripture where we found a special special comfort um, in those times. And then we can use those in the future as well as use those scriptures to share with others. And the other question is, why can believers have hope even in times of loss? Well, I think when it comes to um, other Christian believers that we love and care for who've um, who've gone on to be with the Lord, we know that one day we will be re- reunited and that we have that hope in Jesus Christ. Well, I hope this lesson has been helpful for you, and I pray that the Lord will continue to bring you through um, if your own personal grief that you may be experiencing. And for those of us um, that maybe aren't grieving in the moment, that we can uh, use these tools to equip us to help others that have experienced loss, especially around these holidays. So again, thank you for joining us. I hope this has been helpful, and I look forward to uh, being with you again next time. Thank you.